The State Fair is back. Mitchell Gleber, the president of the State Fair of Texas, stops by to talk about the return of Dallas's biggest annual fall tradition, the year-round work that goes into bringing the big Texas OU and Grambling State Prairie View A&M rivalries to the Cotton Bowl, and his role in bringing SMU football back from the death penalty. Then, Britton Banowski, executive director of the College Football Playoff Foundation, joins us to talk about the work the CFP does to uplift the teaching position. And the entire mic drop team takes a moment to talk about the teacher who had the biggest impact on them. Finally, Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram joins us to talk Longhorn struggles, Cowboys injuries, and the new reality for reporters covering sports teams. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the mic drop, everybody. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Monica Paul, the executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our next level intern, Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening and subscribing. If you like the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star review. That would help. Monica, it's episode 31, which reminds me from my Maverick days of Jay Vincent. Of course, Jason Terry wore number 31 during the Mavericks championship run back in 2011, so that's pretty cool. The guy, the, 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 the Dallas-Fort Worth player with the coolest name that ever wore number 31 had to be Jim Panther, who was an original member of the Texas Rangers, a pitcher who won five games back in 1972. Cowboys wide receiver Gloucester Richardson, pretty cool name. He was on the Super Bowl winning team in 72. But we're going today with our dedication to Brock Marion, who wore number 31 on two Cowboys, Super Bowl winners. So, so uh, Brock Marion, if this one's for you, uh, Monica, uh, kind of a cool mic drop moment this week. SMU uh, junior soccer goalie Samantha Estrada was named one of four college athletes to get a ten thousand dollar deal with Sam's Club. This is part of the uh, name, image, and likeness uh, deal that we've been talking about a lot on the pod. Uh, Sam's Club is going to pick these four student athletes. They're all going to be named Sam. And it was based on TikTok videos. First one named Samantha Estrada from SMU. So Monica, uh, since we're not going to talk about your Longhorns too much uh, today uh, on this week's show, let's talk about TikTok. Are you a TikTok user? Oh, Sully. Well, thank you for giving me a reprieve uh, of talking about my Longhorns. I really do hope they show up this weekend. Uh, it was kind of a buzzkill last week, but uh, uh, I, I cheer for SMU too. So two and zero SMU right now. So uh, hopefully we can continue and keep that going. Uh, TikTok. Um, everyone at Tony Fay PR knows that uh, I lack in my social media skills. So no, I am not on TikTok. But Sully, I have to tell you, uh, I have friends who have younger children who um, every time I, I see these children, they teach me different TikTok videos or, or dances rather. Um, I don't remember any of them, so I'm not going to demonstrate them here for you, but uh, that's my only um, association with TikTok. Now, thanks to youngsters like like our next level intern, Marcus, there was an announcement a couple of weeks ago that TikTok has surpassed YouTube in average uh, minutes watched per month. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, this was a survey that was done only of Android devices, so maybe a little different if you lump in uh, Apple people but you know think about that for a second that's a stunning uh stat so marcus you're on tiktok right i am on tiktok i am part of the generation that uh, that's move move making a movement from youtube to tiktok so so uh what do you do on tiktok are you, you do dances do you do commentary what's your thing um, I don't make TikToks. I'm more I'm more so just on the viewership and watch people, uh, whether that's sports highlights or um, people do just funny pranks or any anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a, a voyeur, I guess, on TikTok. I have an account. I check in just for my professional, uh, you know, keeping up with what's happening. Uh, but you're not going to see me posting any dances uh, or anything either. Uh, so, Monica, what's uh, what's happening at the Dallas Sports Commission? Oh, Sully, this week we, we got some news. Uh, FIFA did assign us our, our site visit dates, so something that we've been waiting for 
for a few few years now uh, and definitely uh, drawn out due to the pandemic. So uh, we will be uh, planning hard for, for our site visit towards the end of October uh, and getting everything in line from training venues to fan fest plans. Uh, so uh, the fact that we're going to be talking State Fair of Texas uh, uh, here shortly, that's really what we want to create uh, from a fan fest standpoint during the World Cup. So a lot of planning going in, but very exciting uh you know, high-pressure situations. And then other than that, uh, really looking forward to college football. We've got State Fair Classic coming up, State Fair um, uh, Texas OU and the, and the Red River Showdown coming up. Uh, so just excited to be back in football season and, and back in attendance live uh, for football this year. Yeah, it's too bad your FIFA guests can't be here, you know, prior to October 17th because we know that uh, Mitch Gleber could strap some Fletcher's corny dogs on him, and that might seal the deal right there, along with some of the other uh, taste treats that well, we're going to be talking well, about a, a bit later. Sully, you know, uh, good point. Uh, they're actually going to be here the weekend after. So we may just be pleading here with Mitchell to, uh, can we just extend that state fair one extra week? I, I mean, come on, you, you already do. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, th three weeks, what's, what's another week added in there? Yeah, that's not too much to ask or anything. No, no. We, we want to we take a moment and congratulate friend of the pod, Mark Followell, uh, one of the rare repeat guests, our own version of Steve Martin, uh, on his return online anyway to UNT uh, to get a second undergrad degree. You know, when the pandemic happened, he went back and finished the undergrad degree he had never, uh, never uh, earned at UNT. Went back on a second one, this one in history. So not only is he a play-by-play -play announcer for the Mavericks and FC Dallas and just a great guy, but he's now officially a historian. So way to go, Mark Followell. Uh, another uh, great Dallas entrepreneur story. Monica, we see so many of these in Dallas sports popped up this week as part of the uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame induction. So uh, Dallas's own Chris Bosch, uh, gets inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, go Lincoln Tigers. And there's another Lincoln connection in that Carlton Dixon, who played basketball at UT, I'm looking for every happy UT reference we can, we can hit this week, Monica. Uh, Carlton Dixon, uh, you know, coached and was the AD at North Dallas High, coached at Richland High School in North Richland Hills. And when he watched the, the, the NFL draft, the NBA draft every year, and he watched the suits that the players were wearing, he had this idea for a company to found a company uh, here in Dallas called Reveal Suits, which on the lining of the jacket, you get your, your school logo or your pro team logo. Started the company in 2015. By 2017, he'd had a deal with Baylor. He now has 90 licensing deals. Uh, including the Cowboys and FC Dallas and a ton of colleges, UT, of course. Uh, but when Chris Bosch got inducted into the Hall of Fame, he was all the Hall of Famers were wearing jackets from Reveal Suits uh, as part of a licensing deal. He made a huge deal, multi-year deal for Carlton Dixon and Reveal Suits with the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, so way to go, Chris Bosch. Way to go, Carlton uh, Dixon. Another, uh, we just seem to thrive on entrepreneurial stories that involve local sports connections. So that's pretty cool. And a mic drop moment also. Uh, for Deidre DeLilly of Toyota, she was a mic drop uh, guest prior to the Tokyo Olympics because Deidre um, runs all the Olympic sponsorship programs for Toyota. And she was named by the Sports Business Journal a game changer, which is really for women in sports business who are pioneers, great leaders. And so, so mic drop moment for Deidre DeLilly. Really happy to see that for her uh, and for her work on the Olympics and Paralympic uh, partnerships and sponsorships with Toyota. Uh, so lots happening. Back in a moment with Mitch Gleber to talk State Fair of Texas and more. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. All right, Sally, what are you doing this weekend? Because I'm going to the Dallas Zoo. The Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with its more than 2,000 animals. Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com today to purchase your tickets. Thanks, Rach. And you never know, I, I have to get back over to the zoo. It's been a while since I've been there. But, but first, let's, let's welcome to the mic drop Mitchell Gleber, president of the State Fair of Texas. He's been part of the leadership there since 1999. So this means 
He is involved with the Red River Showdown between uh, Texas and Oklahoma. State Fair Classic coming up, Grambling and Prairie View A&M. Uh, before that, nearly a decade-long run in sales at the Mavericks where we worked together, played wide receiver at SMU, stayed after the death penalty, and was really the, sort of the glue that held that program together in the aftermath of the, of the death penalty. Uh, so, Mitch, welcome to the mic drop. Really glad to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, great to see you again, Sully. So, Mitchell, um, I know it was a tough year last year. Uh, everybody loves the State Fair. We know the millions of people and the, the economic impact that it brings here for, for the city of Dallas. I'm sure you've heard from a lot of people last year uh, with, without the State Fair and a lot wanting to ensure that we're going to have a State Fair this year. Um, what did people miss most besides, obviously, the, the Fletcher's Corny Dog last year? What were they saying? Well, first of all, Monica, good to see you as well. Um, I just wanted to say hello there. Um, you know, last year was tough. I mean, it was tough for everybody, um, tough for every um, industry, every organization. The event industry was obviously uh, significantly impacted. It was, it was a tough year for our staff. Um, I think we did a pretty good job of pivoting uh, once it became very obvious that we weren't gonna be able to run the fair uh, to come up with some solutions of things that we could do, alternative activations to keep people engaged and just kind of keep the spirit of the state fair alive. That was really the one thing that we heard more than anything. I mean, of course there were the corny dogs and things like that that people missed, but it's really the, the family tradition. Um, something that somebody that people do to you know they make the pilgrimage down to fair park every fall and uh, bring the family and kids or friends and get together and uh, that's what everybody missed last year uh, was just the opportunity to get together and as we do here at the state fair of texas kind of celebrate all things texan it's kind of the opportunity for everybody each year uh, to get together and and celebrate and, and we we all miss that for sure so Mitchell, I, I know that the fair opens September 24th. I've already heard from my friends uh, uh, over the weekend that uh, yes, I'm I'm going multiple times. I've got to get my trip to to the state fair this year uh, and get that corny dog and a few other things. But uh, anything, any changes? Uh, what can people expect this year? Yeah, you know, obviously it's uh, like we said, a different time. Um, you know, we can't really expect to uh, just show up and roll out the same old state fair and expect things to, um, you know, just work like clockwork. So um, there's definitely changes that we have to make. We have to adapt. Um, we have to be uh, ready for um, dealing with the situation at hand. And that is just the fact that Dallas County is still um, a hotspot of sorts for um, COVID and the Delta variant. And, you know, we're very aware of that. We've been following uh, all of the information. Um, we were partnering with Dallas County to provide vaccines out here. Um, but a lot of the things that you would expect that an outdoor event would do, uh, providing hand sanitizers, uh, we will be uh, asking for folks to wear masks uh, inside of indoor you know, facilities here at Fair Park. Um, and so it will be a little bit different in some ways. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I've been talking to a lot of people, um, so many people, just like you had mentioned, your friends saying, you know, they can't wait to come out. I think there's a lot of pent up demand. Um, we expect that uh, people will come out. We just don't know exactly in what numbers at this point. Um, I'm really anxious to see kind of what the turnout's like and how people feel about being out in an uh, environment and large crowds like that. But one of the great things about the State Fair of Texas is that 80% of our fairgrounds uh, is actually in outdoor environments, which you know makes things a little bit easier to operate. The tricky part is, you know, some of the indoor areas where uh, we get some crowded spaces before, and uh, we're going to need some help from folks to come out and, you know, do their part, uh, mask up, and uh, help keep us all safe. So I, I know one of the big things uh, with the st with the fair is obviously the fried food and the contest to. Uh, get your food into the state fair. So uh, I think deep fried pancakes, you know, deep fried Oreos, uh, the list goes on and on and on. How do you come up with that? How do, how do you get into that? And, and how do you decide uh, 
what is going to be the new uh, uh, dish at the fair? Well, we have some very entrepreneurial concessionaires uh, that participate at the state fair. We have, you know, over 80 different uh, concessionaires that operate out here. Um, and we challenge them each year. Uh, we started this Big Tech's Choice Awards uh, food contest back in 2005. And we challenge our concessionaires every year to come up with new food items uh, and enter them in the contest. And, you know, normally what happens is we'll take in about 40, 45 to 50, somewhere in that range um, of new items that people will propose. Uh, we'll narrow that down uh, to about 25 that our staff thinks uh, has a legitimate chance to win an award, uh, sample every single one of those blindly, and then pair that down to about uh, 10 different finalists. And then we have the competition uh, and we award the, uh, the winners um, at that particular competition. And, you know, usually if, if somebody wins this competition, uh, they're going to get so much media exposure out of it and so much buzz that it can literally mean hundreds of thousands of dollars for that vendor. Um, so there's, for instance, one of the items this year, the deep fried seafood gumbo balls uh, that were wow. created. Uh, it actually won two out of our three awards this year, uh, most creative and best tasting savory item. Um, I didn't try all of these things, but I did try this and I'm telling you, it is fantastic. Uh, these guys will kill it. Um, so it's, uh, it's always an interesting um, deal to go through. Um, it creates a lot of excitement you know, a lot, you know, as, as Sully can appreciate in terms of public relations and uh, media buzz. And uh, it's really something that we've kind of built the foundation of the state fair experience upon. Yeah, I'm definitely looking for the deep fried pancakes and also the, uh, uh, the Mexican bread pudding, uh, I think was another one that, that got my attention. You know, and it, on the one hand, you're talking about, about, you know, deep fried, you know, gumbo balls, but you're also putting on the Texas OU game and the Grambling Prairie View and a Prairie View A and M game. Talk about the how you balance all that, the the work that goes into staging those two annual uh, great traditions as part of the state fair. You know, I it's a, a year round job. I mean, people ask me, do I do anything outside of the twenty four days of the fair? And you know, I would tell you, our staff works pretty darn hard in putting the fair together. It's a very complicated uh, event with many moving pieces and. You know, the, uh, the two football games that we have um, are just two of many things that we have going on, but they're two important things. Uh, great tradition um, for both games. Uh, both of them have been played here uh, since the 1920s. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, they're huge days for us. Um, you know, the Grambling Prairie View game, um, is huge in the African-American community. Um, we have great support from both of the schools. Um, and it's a great tradition with the Battle of the Bands. And then, of course, the um, Oklahoma-Texas game or Texas-Oklahoma game, depending on there where you you're go. coming from. There you go. Way to correct yourself. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have to balance it both ways there. Is uh, is a very exciting day. I mean, it's there's no college football atmosphere um, that can come anywhere close to um, that particular football game with the uh, stadium split 50-50 on the 50-yard lines and um, you know everybody and it's all centered around the State Fair of Texas as the backdrop I mean so uh, it's just a an experience that can't be duplicated and uh, we're very proud to play host to it and of course it's you know as Monica could tell you it's a huge um, economic impact event, the biggest tourist event of the year for, uh, for Dallas, uh, from what I understand. The last time I was in the Cotton Bowl was for the NHL Winter Classic, mm -hmm. right before the pandemic. And that was an extraordinary feat that you pulled off and a great uh, fan experience. And I, I wanna talk a little bit about the, the fan experience and the customer service and maybe some lessons learned that you picked up in your in your many years with the Mavericks, you know, under the ownership of Don Carter and Linda Carter and the leadership of Norm Sanju, customer service was really sort of job one there. I mean, did, did you take away some lessons in your time with the Mavericks from Norm and the way things were, were run that, that helped you in leading the State Fair of Texas? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, attention to detail. I mean, really more than anything uh, from Norm. Um, you know, you, you know that. And, uh, 
we we try to do the same thing here. Um, it's a like I said, it's a very complex event with many moving pieces, and you know we're a pretty small staff. We only have uh, 53 on our full time team, um, but once we roll around uh, into fair time. Uh, we usually have around 2,200 people on our staff uh, that are actually on the state fair payroll to make this event work. And so, you know, I think uh, one of the things that we try to focus on is making sure that uh, that, in, that attention to detail, um, the attention to customer service and customer experience, uh, you know, it starts with us, but it trickles down to all 2,200 of the employees that represent the state fair. And we need to make sure that uh, we're doing a good job uh, to ensure that folks, ha folks have a great customer experience when they come to the fair. It's an ever-evolving process, you know, to be honest, because you know there's turnover every year. When you're talking about seasonal employees that are coming in, uh, there's a learning curve every year because it's not the same 2,200 people that are coming. Uh, so we, uh, we definitely have to continue that training. Um, we have a good training program in place, and we have good people in leadership roles that are making sure that, uh, that we do that. Mitch, let's let's uh, pivot over to SMU. Of course, you famously, you were a freshman when the death penalty hit and stayed with the program, which not many, many did. Uh, you were, you know, prominently featured in the ESPN 30 for 30 uh, documentary on the on on that era, uh, Pony Excess, I think it was called. Uh, what do you, as you look back on that, uh, you know, why did you stay? Are you glad you stayed? You, you, you know, what are your reflections just on that on that time period? You ended up having a, you know, you caught 49 passes, uh, you know, your senior year, that you're kind of your one uh, season after after that. I got to play at Notre Dame, got to play for Coach Forrest Gregg. How do you think about all, all these years later? What are your thoughts on that period? It was a great experience. I mean, I, I grew up wanting to go to SMU. I loved SMU uh, from the outset. Um, I grew up, my dad actually uh, broadcasted uh, SMU basketball games and I was a ball boy <laughs> growing up there and watching the great University of Arkansas teams coming through with Sidney Moncrief and all those guys. It was a ton of fun. So I loved SMU um, and really always wanted to go there. Uh, got the opportunity to go there. Um, it was unfortunate the way things played out uh, with the death penalty. Um, you know, the decision to stay uh, was really just based on the fact that um, I actually was two years in at that point and well on my way to earning a degree and um, had a lot of friends on, on site, had, uh, was in a fraternity. You know, my family was nearby. My father had passed away not too uh, too long ago, wanted to be kind of around the home area. And um, it was a tough decision because, you know, I had some other opportunities. It was really a, a surreal experience in terms of, you know, going through recruiting for a second time. You, it was like you're being recruited out of high school all over again. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It, just about everybody transferred. Uh, there were a few of us that stayed. Um, but I looked at it as a great opportunity to stay and be part of something special, you know, really to come back and help bring SMU football back from the dead, literally. So um, that's what I wanted to do. You know, we actually won two games that first year, um, which is shocking. If you had told me that before the season, we were going to win two games, I would have said there's absolutely no way. Um, but uh, we won two games. It was a great experience. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. And uh, as you mentioned, playing for Forrest Gregg was an incredible experience. He's, he was a great man and uh, an incredible coach. And, you know, when he spoke, you definitely listened and paid attention. And he made it a, a fun experience for all of us, even when we were getting beat 95 to 21 by Houston. <clears throat> yeah, the Houston game, we can, we can eliminate from our memory. But, you know, people can go to YouTube and find that Miracle on a Mockingbird video with the win, the big comeback over... Uh, over UConn, I think you had a touchdown, uh, you know, with your blazing speed, you broke a bunch oh, yeah. of tackles and mm -hmm. uh, 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 it was like a 43 yarder or something though. It was a legit uh, uh, big time uh, uh, touchdown reception. You know, oh you yeah, I blew right by those guys. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your dad, uh, he, he was a great man. We, we had Vern Lundquist on uh, the, the podcast before the masters. And uh, I encourage people go back and listen to what he said about Frank Lieber. Uh, and what a mentor he was and a role model he was for Vern. And, 
you know, as a 21-year-old kid at the Mavericks, as a PR assistant in 1980, you know, we had the, the privilege and the honor of having, you know, Frank Lieber and Bill Walton, you know, do our, our little, you know, TV package that we had on whatever it was some, some sort of local, you know, I don't even think it was cable. It was like a local satellite service called On TV, I think. But, you know, and, and he would stay with us and did games on, on over-the-air TV, too, for, for a number of years uh, until his death. And I remember him coming in the office on game day. Every day he'd have his, uh, his, his jacket on. His tie would not be tied yet. It'd be around his neck. And he would kind of walk back to our little PR area with me and Alan Stone. And he would say, any bulletins? And that was his, uh, you know, that was his way of checking in. And he, he was just a world-class announcer and an even better person who, who we lost uh, way too soon, all the way back, I think 1985, right? Mentioned. Yes. Uh, so for the young people who don't know, go check out the career of Frank Lieber and watch some videos. He did the master's for CBS. He was an extraordinary uh, guy and really a great guy and, uh, and, and, you know, extremely talented. One last thing before I lob it back to Monica, is it true you got in trouble with Forrest Gregg for buying a bunch of Notre Dame stuff at the, when you played there, uh, you and some of your teammates made a little pilgrimage to the bookstore and, uh, came away with some stuff and he didn't like that. I understand. Uh, yeah. You know, actually we did, it wouldn't, it's not like we did that rogue, you know, we had actually the, the coaches actually took us over there on the buses uh, to the bookstore. And, you know, I think coach Greg, he knew obviously we were in for a difficult day uh, the next day, but this was the day before the game. And uh, you know, we, uh, we were playing against the team that was the defending national champions and they had, you know, rocket Ismail and Tony Rice and, you know, just these incredible Todd light, all these incredible players uh, on the team. And our guys looked up to them. I mean, frankly, we had a whole bunch of kids that were soft or freshmen and, you know, maybe redshirt freshmen uh, on the team. And they saw these guys win the national championship the year before. And it was like, you know, Disneyland for them to go to South Bend and have an opportunity to, uh, to go into the bookstore. And yeah, we had guys that were going in there and buying, you know, all kinds of Notre Dame memorabilia. I still have a Notre Dame sweatshirt that I bought from, uh, from that trip. And um, it's, it was just a cool experience. We got to play there twice. I played there my sophomore year. Of course they beat us. We even had a good team at that time. And then uh, my fifth year, we played back up there again. And you know, to get to play there twice in your uh, in your college career is pretty cool. So, Mitchell, before we let you go, I've got a, f a few questions, but well, maybe one more of a comment of uh, you got to kind of appreciate the resurgence of SMU football here over the past few years and the success. And uh, we're hoping to get uh, Rick Hart on here uh, to talk about the their marketing platform and really embracing Dallas and hoping that Dallas embraces them as, as our, you know, college football team here in the area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sonny Dykes has done a great job with the team, obviously, and, and Rick has done a great job with the athletic department. I think it's genius, you know, the way the marketing campaign that they've put together of being Dallas team and, you know, the use of the D on the helmets and the jerseys um, and, uh, the billboard campaign and everything that they're doing around town is, is very impressive. And I think they're going to have a really good, good year this year on the, on the field as well. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Excited to see them. I, uh, I also, uh, teach, uh, sometimes I'm taking this semester off at, uh, SMU, uh, in their sports management program. Uh, and I have a lot of freshmen and, you know, sophomores and a trickle of juniors in there, but you know, they're just still trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. They want to work in sports and that's, you know, all flashy and everything. And they're seeing, you know, they want to be a GM or a president of a team, but, um, I think a lot of people don't have a, have a clue that, uh, you know, president of the state fair of Texas is that, you know, th there's a position like that. So give us an idea of how did you go from Mavericks and, you know, sports entity to state fair of Texas? Well, I was one of those kids, like you said, that, uh, you know, wanted to get into sports, um, you know, one way or the other. Um, I had a double major in finance and TV radio, which tells you that I really had no idea which direction to go. I just wanted to keep my my base is uh, open. So I, I just, um, 
had this opportunity that uh, came available uh, to join the Mavericks. Um, it was really kind of a dream job for me um, and enjoyed my time there. Um, as Sully can tell you, um, I was there during the 90s and um, we never made the playoffs once during my time uh, from 90 to 99, which is an incredible accomplishment for an NBA team uh, these days to go basically a full decade without going to the playoffs. And um, at the end of that time period, I kind of had had my, uh, my run with sports and felt like, you know, it might be time to go look for something else. Um, but I wanted to be in the events business because, you know, I like the idea of doing, having a job where you do a little something different every day. Um, you put a little something different together every year um, in a job like the State Fair of Texas. And uh, that's really uh, was something that was appealing to me. Um, moved into a marketing position, uh, took over the marketing role in 99, um, and then uh, transitioned into this president role uh, when my previous uh, boss retired in 2014. So that was kind of my path through it. Um, and I found a great home here. I love uh, the people that I work with here. Um, and it's a, a really um, a fun and rewarding experience working at the State Fair. And a lot of people don't know that, uh, you know, the State Fair is a nonprofit. Um, and they also get us compared or confused quite a bit with Fair Park. And, you know, we're obviously two completely separate entities. We just lease the park uh, to run the State Fair operation. But it's been very important to me during my time at the State Fair that uh, we really restated our mission in 2014. And I wanted to ask our team at the time to really dedicate themselves to, um, you know, living up to what our mission is at the State Fair. And it's not just to put on a 24-day event, it's to uh, celebrate Texas and um, focus on agriculture, education, and then community involvement, because we're in a community that has a lot of needs. And so uh, we're looking to make a, a year-round impact, um, not just a 24-day event. The 24-day event allows us uh, the opportunity by the money that we make through that to be able to uh, make that impact in the community and in education and scholarship programs and things like that. But, uh, you know, there's a higher cause here other than just putting on a 24-day fair. Well, Mitchell, uh, I think Sully and I want to see if we can take a mic drop uh, field trip over to the We're going to take the mic drop to the State Fair uh, at some point. Uh, I know Sully wants to try out a lot of those foods, and uh, maybe next year we're going to have to prep and uh, get some behind-the-scenes action or maybe be some of those taste testers uh, for, for those specialty items maybe. that come up. <laughs> but, uh, Mitchell, uh, want to remind everybody, State Fair, September 24th to October 17th, uh, Mitchell, best of luck. Can't, very, very excited that we have the State Fair of Texas back up, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been a great time being here, and uh, great to see both of you all again. All right, and now we'll hear from Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Okay, Sully, it's really my favorite new event here in Dallas. Join the Perot Museum of Nature and Science every Thursday for Thursdays on Tap. Experience a museum after hours with a 21 plus crowd and you'll enjoy live music, drinks and food trucks. Plus you get full access to exhibits all night long. It's the perfect date night. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information. Thanks, Rach. And now we're happy to be joined by Britton Benowski. He's the executive director of the College Football Playoff Foundation, a role he's held since 2015. In that role, he leads the organization's philanthropic initiatives, as well as its capstone project, Extra Yard for Teachers. We're going to talk about that today. Before that, Britain was Conference USA Commissioner for 13 years, was in leadership at the Big 12. Way back was the Southland Conference Commissioner. Uh, but like, you know, Mitchell was just talking about all the good works that the State Fair of Texas does year-round in terms of community impact. Uh, Britain is another one of those Dallas sports leaders that is really invested in helping the Dallas-Fort Worth community. He serves on the Dallas Mayor's Task Force on Poverty and much, much more. Welcome to the mic drop, uh, Britton Banowski. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. You bet. Tell us about the uh, Extra Yard for Teachers project and your recent uh, big day activation. Sure. So, when the CFP was um, created about seven years ago, we were coming off of the BCS model, which wasn't really uh, very well appreciated uh, from the marketplace standpoint. And 
So the marketplace responded really well to um, the idea of a playoff. And uh, a few of us around the table called a little bit of a timeout and said, you know, is there going to be a community investment element to this? Or are we just going to play these games and, and distribute the, the dollars? And um, we really felt like that we should be doing something more than that in these communities that are hosting the game in particular. So we, we talked about building out a foundation, which we did. And then we um, decided to focus our attention on K through 12 education and teachers. We all went around the table at the time and we, you know, all had a teacher that had made a difference in our lives. And we just felt like it, the teachers in America are generally underappreciated. And so we said, let's go all in for teachers. So we built out our, our, our cause initiative and, uh, called Extra Yard for Teachers. And we created some pillars around it. Um, you know, we know that teachers don't have what they need a lot of times to be successful. And so they pay out of their own pocket for resources. And we think that's just amazing. So we said, let's try and figure out how to help them um, have the resources they need to be successful. And we also know they're not recognized very often in our community. So let's use our big platform, college football, to, um, to recognize teachers all across the country. We also support their professional development. And then, the, you know, the big thing right now <clears throat> that concerns us the most is the diminishing supply of teachers in America and the the challenges around um, teacher shortages. So, so those are the places where we try and make impact. And we really are blessed to be able to leverage not only the college football playoff platform, which is immense, as you know, but also all of college football has kind of rallied around this project. And we celebrate um, teachers year round, but in particular during um, one week in September, the extra year for teachers week, which is going on right now. And within that, because of the pandemic last year, we decided to create a big day for teachers and we invited hundreds of partners around the country to, to do something special for teachers, um, which they did. And we said, let's do it again. So uh, this past Tuesday was um, our big day. And we, we literally had you know hundreds and hundreds of partners all across the country in the sports industry and, and in the nonprofit space, bowl games, ESPN, corporate partners, all do something special for teachers uh, on Tuesday. So we're trying to do um, the best we can to maximize the opportunity we have and to leverage sports for the benefit of, of a good cause. Curious, so clearly you're, you're passionate about teachers. Who was the teacher in your own life that inspired you to go on to achieve all the things that you have? That's a great question. And we ask that question to, uh, to people a lot. You know, I had several um, I had a eighth grade algebra teacher who was also a football coach um, who kind of at a time when I needed a little bit of special attention, uh, gave me the special attention to be successful um, in the classroom uh, and also became my friend um, uh, on the football field. So um, I would say that, you know, he was the one um, and I still stay in touch with him a little bit. You know, he's still what, what's his name? Uh, his name is, is, is Jose Munoz, and so he, I went to L.A. Baptist High School in San Fernando Valley, and so um, great guy. Monica, who's your uh, teacher that you think about uh, these days? Oh, I, I, I have two so of much. them, Sully. Uh, I've got uh, my second grade teacher, uh, Cheryl Barton. Um, I think she, well, I still stay in touch with her today as well. We share the same birthday. So uh, on a yearly basis, we uh, communicate uh, in July. Uh, but then very similar to Britain, um, my, uh, I guess, middle school uh, coach, uh, Coach uh, Connie Glidewell. Um, yeah, I still stay in touch with her as well. And I think really helped me very similar in, in the classroom and uh, on the court as well. Marcus, what about you? Uh, so I'm going to do my high school uh, radio teacher, actually, Nathan Wood. Uh, the reason I'm actually here on mic drop, so kudos to him. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Walter O'Grady. He's my freshman homeroom teacher at Marist High School in Chicago. And it's it's kind of funny, Britton. He, uh, I, I tried out for the baseball team, and when he cut me, he said, you're not good enough to play second base on the team, but I think you'd be a great manager. So as a baseball player, I was in his mind, you know, he saw something else that were a way for me to contribute. And in so many ways that, that led to my career in sports, that was the first job I had, so to speak, uh, you know, in, in sports. And it was really him showing that interest. Uh, 
And then I have to also give a shout out to brother Gerard Raritan, also from Marist, who I'm still in touch with today, who had a big influence on me. So, so this is cool stuff, uh, Brittany, and it, it, it's important. Uh, what are your plans on the ground in Indianapolis for actually during the CFP time to activate around uh, the extra yard for teachers uh, and the other you know philanthropic things that, that you do with the CFP Foundation? So, I mean, one of the, the opportunities we have that's really great is when the, the game is in a particular host city, uh, we collaborate with the host city on <clears throat> driving impact to teachers in the area. And in this case, um, it's in Indiana, and we decided to do the entire state of Indiana as our focus area and have invested millions of dollars already <clears throat> in the um, support of, of particular initiatives in Indiana. Around Ch Champ Week, we're... Um, we have a very busy champ week. First thing we do is we, we invite all of the state teachers of the year from all 50 states and territories uh, to come to the game at our expense and bring a guest. And we celebrate them. And then um, we take them onto the field pregame and, and honor them. Um, it's a symbolic gesture, really, um, to, to say college football cares about teachers on the biggest stage um, that college football um, has. And so we enjoy being with that group. Um, we'll host a summit uh, on Saturday, January 8th for about 500 teachers in person. And then we'll have about another 4,000 teachers join us um, remotely um, for that event. We've had people like Condoleezza Rice and a lot of other famous entertainers. Um, it's intended to not only provide professional development support, but also um, encourage and inspire and empower teachers as they go back into their second semester there in Indiana. So we have a variety of things like that going on, Kevin. It's a really full week. Um, so there's not only the football activities and all the fan stuff that goes with that, but there's also some educational component to it. So Britton, I had the chance to, to work with you on Heart of Dallas Bowl, and which is now First Responder Bowl, but uh, in keeping that alive for the city of Dallas. And you know, I think one of the things that over and over on the mic drop uh, we, we've noticed is the philanthropy in, in Dallas and the leadership in Dallas and, uh, you know, even your work on with the city of Dallas on homelessness and poverty. And uh, it just seems like everybody is always trying to, to give back and make philanthropy uh, a priority here. Uh, so, yes, you may you have a, a sports lead role or executive role, but then also uh, you do other things to give back. What do you think Dallas, uh, what is it about Dallasites and our sports leadership that ensures that we have these other priorities and, and, and they want to better the city that we live in here? Um, you know, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure about the why part. Um, I just know it's there. Um, I know Dallas is, is one of the most philanthropic um, cities in, in the country, really. And, and the people that I um, relate to whether it's you know through the sports side of my work or through my other social engagements or whatever, truly care about their their community and they you know they care about the least of the least in the community and they they want their community to be good for everybody and they want to um, solve some of the significant social problems we have in Dallas. I mean, obviously we have a big poverty divide in Dallas. Um, you know that's a huge systemic issue that um, is difficult to resolve, but. There's people like Peter Brodsky and other people that are really digging in uh, to try and make a difference there. So I'm encouraged um, by the level of spirit and commitment um, in the Dallas philanthropic community. And I'm, I'm you know, um, grateful to be able to play a very small part in that. Um, but the, the opportunity to leverage the sports uh, platforms, whether it's the Cowboys and Mavericks or CFP or Big 12 or whatever, these are huge opportunities that um, really are uh, amazing when you see them come to life. And so, you know, we're grateful to be a part of that as well. So, Britton, you, you had many, many years as a conference commissioner. Um, how is it, uh, how did you come about the decision to step away from uh, being a college commissioner to work on foundation work? Um, so, when we were building this out, I was, you know, you, the, you open your mouth and then they make you the chair of the committee. So I was like, okay, I'll chair the committee. And then I was chairing the committee and I was just loving the, um, uh, the investment of time in the creative expression associated with, you know, trying to build the largest um, 
sports philanthropy around K through 12 education in the country. It was kind of a mission, became a mission. And uh, at that point, um, I was also felt like I was kind of just going around the block um, as a conference commissioner. I'd been in a conference office for you know, probably 25 years at that point. So you kind of get into the rhythm of it. Did two uh, major realignments during that time. And so I said, you know, am I going to spend the next 10 years of my life doing that? Or am I going to try something else? And so I really um, was pleased when, as I reached out to my other colleagues, they uh, embraced the idea and uh, supported me being um, in a leadership position here. Well, Britton, I'm not going to ask you about conference realignment necessarily. Uh, Thank you. Well, I, you know, I still have <laughs> post-traumatic stress disorder from some of that stuff, so I, I totally get it. But I may ask you about uh, where things stand on CFP expansion. Okay, that's a great question, and I'm going to dodge it. Um, <laughs> okay. Carefully. Um, I, I think there's, uh, It's first of all, it's complicated. Uh, there's a contract already in place. So you got to kind of work around that. There's also contracts with all the bowls in place that you need to work around as well. Um, I think people feel like though, um, the majority of people feel like it, it's time for a, a new expanded model. Um, what that you know, looks like and when it comes online is uh, remains to be seen. I was a 16 team guy back in the day. So, uh, you know, you kind of know where my heart's at. Well, Britton, thanks so much for joining us. How can people uh, get involved with the work of the foundation? Uh, you know, where should our listeners go for more information or to donate? So you can go to cfpfoundation.org. Um, that's our, our website. Um, you can follow us at Extra Yard um, as well and, um, and support us on our social channels. You know what you can do? You can just go pat a teacher on the back, send a teacher a, a nice email, um, catch up with a teacher that affected you. Um, Give them some affirmation uh, at a time when you know it's really challenging uh, to be an educator in America today. So, do something. We uh, we mentioned since it's episode thirty one, we dedicated this to number thirty one Brock Marion. We should have dedicated it to Jose Munoz and Walter O'Grady and the other teachers that we uh, we all mentioned. So, uh, really appreciate all the work that you're doing on behalf of teachers. Really important, and uh, and thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Monica. It was really good seeing you again. And uh, best wishes to you guys. Thank you. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city. And we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Okay, welcome Clarence Hill Jr. to the mic drop in with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram since way back in 1997, primarily as Cowboys beat writer and columnist. Uh, Clarence, before we get to the Cowboys and your, your download, I'm going to give you and Monica a moment for a little mini support group here for the Longhorns. Uh, I, I know you're grieving. Uh, so Monica, Clarence, uh, you, you know, let's, let's take a moment here for you to share your, your, your feelings. Well, Clarence, I'll go first. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't quite expecting uh, what we had last weekend, so I'm really hoping that the Longhorns can can pull it together and uh, are on the right path this weekend. <laughs> well, they have rice, okay? So they'll be on the right path this weekend. That shouldn't be a problem. They, they, they have rice, so that, that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I'm disappointed for last weekend because there are too many Arkansas people that work for the Cowboys, including Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. And, and so they've been giving me grief. They gave me grief before the game. Stephen Jones texted me after the game. Uh, they're enjoying it. You know, this game meant so much for people in Arkansas, more so than people in Texas. But uh, welcome to the SEC, Texas. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I thought the Jones family was somewhat uh, house divided there with uh, – Charlotte's son being at Texas. I know I saw some shirts that uh, had a little Arkansas on one side and a little Texas on the other. So uh, I guess they came together to cheer for, for both grandsons. But at the end of the day, maybe that heart is still in Arkansas. Yeah, the house is divided for the grandkids, but, but the roots are Arkansas. <laughs> Definitely Arkansas. 
So, so Clarence, uh, Cowboys had a tough loss at uh, Tampa Bay uh, in week one, but I think gave uh, a lot of our, our listeners and the Dallas faithful uh, some hope of, man, that we, there was actually some football played, and that was a different type of uh, Cowboys team than we've uh, maybe seen over the past few years. What's your assessment of our matchup this weekend uh, with the Chargers? You know, it's funny because this is a daily news cycle, weekly news cycle, and all the optimism that you felt from last week has has, has, has been dinged a little bit, you know, since that game and all the good feelings. And certainly you feel good about Dak and what he did and, and his amazing performance in that offense. But consider this, and, and, and I've covered the Cowboys since 1997. I didn't get any of the Super Bowl titles uh, to cover. All I've gotten is disappointment, heartache, and unfulfilled expectations. So just right on brand, it, you felt good about that game, what they did. But since that game, uh, Leo Collins, their starting right tackle, has been suspended for five games. Randy Gregory, their starting defensive end, is out with COVID. Marcus Lawrence broke his foot in practice yesterday. He's out for six to eight weeks. Uh, another starting safety, Donovan Wilson, uh, re-aggravated a groin injury, and he won't play. So they're going to be without three starters, four starters, excuse me, going into that game on Sunday against the San, I'm, San Diego. I'm old. They lost Angeles Chargers. So, yeah, you felt good about what they did, but reality has quickly set in back to Cowboys' hell where they have issues they must overcome. And hopefully Dak Prescott and offense can do that. But again, they have hurdles that have put, been put in their way since the end of that game. What did you think, Clarence, of the uh, Hard Knocks series? Uh, I thought it was boring. Um, I, you know, and I, I don't know if that was purposeful about the Cowboys talking to Rich Down Ripple. They didn't really do anything. They didn't cut anything out. Uh, one thing about this team is, you know, I mean, they had some cute stories, but it, there was not a lot of drama. There was... I mean, and I think the ratings showed it. Uh, you know, you you love the Azur Kamara. You love Diggs' his little his son. Uh, right. You you love Isaac from Mexico, and you love those stories. But outside of that, there there was there was not much there. Certainly, the drone. You know, one of the highlights was was you know the drone video of of, of the star. But you know, outside of Hard Knocks itself, you know. In the past, they you know they followed the guy, and you saw somebody get cut, and there was there was there was more, I think, meat to those stories to a certain extent. Right. Yeah, I, that was the the review sort of sort of uh, reflected that that a little bit less drama, but but nice stories. Uh, you know, Clarence, you were kind enough early in the pandemic to join me for a webinar. Uh, at the Bush Presidential Center here in Dallas, where you talked about covering the Cowboys in a pandemic. So that was you know, more than a year ago. Uh, and right. you made some really interesting comments about how the fans lost out with your access being limited, uh, your inability to get that, that conversation off to the side with Jerry Jones or, or Coach McCarthy with everything being done by Zoom. So where do we stand today now that we're into the regular season? with the access rules and how you're able to cover the team. You know, you PR people, you know, you know, you, you once you take it away, you, you don't really bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that, right? You know, once you take some freedoms away, they don't, they don't all just come back. So now with all due respect, um, you know, it, it's better <laughs> than past because they, they've tried to do some things, you know, certainly we get players, like we don't get open locker rooms. They don't want to, they still don't want to, one thing that we miss is open locker rooms. And so, we don't get the open locker rooms or we don't get the Jerry after game still and, and stuff like that, which is, you know, some of the best stuff. Uh, they are bringing us four guys uh, outside every day that they pick to a certain extent. So you don't, you still don't get the one-on-ones that you want, you know, it's the private conversations, everything is group interviews. Uh, so, so that's different. Now we're, we get to go to games and we're in the press box and we do get, you know, post game, interviews that we didn't get last year everything was on zoom uh but you know i, I guess you know we're still in the pandemic you know and, and so there's some things they still have in place They're, they've limited the amount of media they can can be out there you know you, we have different tiers you know to him and we have to get tested you know we get tested weekly you know i didn't the cowboys test me every wednesday you know we have to show vaccine everybody all the media has to be vaccine so you still have those things in place 
Uh, it's better than it was last year, but it's not like it used to be. And, and, and that's our goal is to get back where it used to be. Where And everybody wants to get back to life as, as normal as it, as it was in the past, really. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure Rich Del Rimple is included in that uh, in that in that list of people that wanted to go back to a little more normal yeah, no doubt. in terms of access. So, so uh, Clarence, this is the portion of the podcast where we ask what your uh, what your download and what your streaming could be: book, movie, TV, music, podcast. And you know, we we love to ask uh, our 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 third guest this question, and uh, many 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 of them have mentioned Ted Lasso over the last 31 episodes. And we had some news recently where we see Jason Sudeikis is gonna get a million dollars an episode starting with episode three. Now that is the power of positivity and optimism for sure. But uh, setting aside Ted Lasso, what are you downloading? What are you streaming uh, these days? Oh, wow. I'm, 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 I don't do a lot of that. It's because I'm, I'm, I'm involved with uh, because I'm just, you know, Cowboys are the 24-7. You got to keep up with it. it's football season. Uh, and, and I'm kind of late to the party because I just watched all of Game of Thrones with my daughter. And I know it's two years old and I, and I love it. But I, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm all in the winter is coming, you know. So I, I haven't, you know, downloaded anything new. And, and, and I'm going to get, uh, you know, something that's one thing to me and my, my six-year-old bond over is, 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 is downloading stuff. and and she likes all the stuff so uh that's we, we just finished all the seasons of game of thrones so that that that's that's i guess i'm a johnny come lately to game of thrones but i love it love it. Well, well, no no it, hey it's never too late in the world of streaming and binging you can do it anytime monica what are you uh what are you watching streaming downloading you listening know, to so like i'm very like i'm like clarence uh football 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 how do people have time to download and watch anything else uh when it's football season people we've been waiting for this for well two years now thank you um <laughs> but i did this weekend i did put on a little athletes unlimited softball uh, they're in the middle of their their second uh, professional season so i did watch some of that and other than that it's more uh uh, I'm trying to fine tune and make final decisions on my reno house renovation plan. So that's what's going on in, in my free time, Sally. Well, you are the busiest woman and the hardest working woman in show business. So, and that home renovation will, will take it to another level. Uh, my download this week or stream is War by the Shore, the documentary. Uh, you can get it on Peacock. It tells the story of the 1991 Ryder Cup. Uh, won by the United States, 14 and a half to 13 and a half, lots of drama. It was a Ross Greenberg production. Uh, he, of course, was responsible for so many great sports documentaries at HBO. Uh, and that will get you ready for Whistling Straits and the 43rd Ryder Cup that starts on September 24th. So War by the Shore on Peacock is mine. Clarence, any final thoughts or words of wisdom for our listeners? Uh Say a prayer for the Cowboys. Say a prayer for Dak Prescott. You know, put put one up in the air for Dak Prescott. He's going to be playing without his right tackle, going to this Joey Bosa this weekend. They're probably going to have to throw the ball 58 times again. Please make sure that you say a prayer for Dak, Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy, that they get Dak Prescott some help. We don't want a replay of the era, of the Atlanta game a few years ago with Jason Garrett never made an adjustment and got Dak sacked eight times by somebody named H.R. Claiborne who had the game of his life. Well, speaking of prayer, and Clarence, I haven't spoken to you since we lost uh, our friend and great Texas Longhorn fan, Rhonda Houston, who died sadly last December of cancer. And uh, I know that Rhonda is up in heaven. There's no question about it. And she will do what she can uh, for the, both the Cowboys and the Longhorns. She was a great person. Uh, I worked with her at the White yes. House. She worked at the Bush Center. I worked for the Texas Rangers. Yes. Uh, and she was a good friend of Clarence's and, and, and mine and uh, is really, really missed. Yeah, indeed. We went to college together. You know, that was, you know, she, she was a warrior. She, she showed so much courage in fighting through that. And, and she's definitely missed. Well, we will we will keep uh, Rhonda in our thoughts always. And in the meantime, uh, go Cowboys and, and, and go Longhorns this weekend for for all involved. So thanks to the Mike Drop production team. Chris Amelia, Marcus Carr, Danielle Whitelaw making her debut this week. We appreciate the crew at Vocal Media. Uh, of course, our showrunner and visionary, Tony Fay. We're grateful to our guests, Clarence Hill Jr., Britton Banowski, and Mitch Gleber. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>